Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Zero to CEO, I have with me successful author, Patrick Geddes. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. And today's episode, we're going to talk about how your brain can be hazardous to your wealth, not health, although it can be probably both, I'm guessing, right? It can. Uh, <laughs> uh, I want to kind of um, pick your brain for a minute here as well, because um, before we, we started, you mentioned uh, there was a company that was sold for a ton of money without uh, any outside funding, I think you said. Can you tell yep. me a little bit about how startups or entrepreneurs, how they can achieve an exit with their startup without taking VC money? Sure. I mean, it's, it's very hard. So, um, in our case, that, that's start, why you're here. That's yeah, why you're here. Right. <laughs> right. To give the magic, magic, magic answer. Um, um, it depends on the type of business, whether you need a lot of capital to get started, especially in most, uh, business to consumer models, it can be very hard to get that kind of traction. We were a business to business model that started out, um, like a consulting business, the asset management side, where we didn't need all that much capital and we were able to uh, keep it afloat on our own, basically with sweat equity. So um, I think the first step is to be very realistic about what your capital requirements are and then to be realistic around um, if you need that outside capital, that may be the only way to go, but you're going to have a very, very different company and you're not going to control your own destiny on the timing. And it's just a trade-off. Yeah. Now d diving into the outside capital, I mean, pandemic kind of came and f at least from what I've noticed, uh, investors have been more risk averse now because of the fact that it's even harder now to get something off the ground. Yep. What's your take on um, people starting new businesses or new startups, tech companies, whatever? What, what kind of uh, feedback or um, suggestions do you have for them in order to navigate the new way of doing I, things? I, yeah, I, I don't think it's all that different. obviously the public stock market and fed actions drive availability of of uh, private equity funding and and you know you could say right before the pandemic say it was never going to get any better than that i mean that was like there was money sloshing around um so the hurdle is a little higher but i think the approach is the same it, the, the the need for uh, you know, a good narrative, a carefully thought out plan. You need to persuade both investors and customers and clients. Uh, and that hasn't really changed. It's just the bar is a little higher. And so a lot of what you talk about in your book is about investments, right? So can you tell me how to be a smart consumer first as an investor? Sure. Um, uh, when you interact with the investment services industry or with with any kind of investment media you need to always keep in mind that what you think may be advice is almost certainly selling and so the tricky part about interacting with the financial services industry is or the investment industry is that we do have a lot of value to add but there's also a lot of bogus assumptions about where we can add value the, the biggest red flags are we have a terrible track record as do most individuals at picking the stocks that are going to beat the stock market you know uh, active management or if I, if I had a crystal ball exactly <laughs> or 
picking like right now people ask me well, you know what should i do given where the stock market is right where do, I put, where, do I, where do i put my cash because the, you know the real estate market is crazy yep. and you know crypto's kind of down yep. um people yep. are talking about you know etfs and precious metals and stuff yep. like that so wh what do i do with my my cash that's just sitting around same thing you should always do which is start with your your time horizon and if you're saving for retirement and you're 30 that's what 40 50 60 years um and invest in a balance between I'd, I'd simplify it down to risky and safer. So the risky is all the normal stuff you'd think stock market, real estate, uh, obviously crypto is super, super risky. I wouldn't even really consider it an asset class, private equity. Um, and then the safer being bonds and cash and people will jump in bonds. They had a terribly, yep, terrible the year worst, and the yields worst year in the last hundred years, yeah. but, but still. So how do, you, how do you how do you justify when when that happens? Like people, basically, for I think for the first time, you just said in 100 years they lost yeah. money on bonds, right? So no, it's not the first time. Like 1994 was a ghastly year. Another one. It's bring a very very long term perspective. If you're investing for a 30 year horizon, so, yeah, bonds years. getting hammered is a shrug of the shoulders. Stock yeah. market plummeting. I mean, this year hasn't been that bad. I don't believe we're even below 20% down on the year. That's pretty tame compared to 08, 09. Yeah. You're going to invest in stocks. You're signing up for the roller coaster ride. Right. The worst thing you can do as an investor is say, I had no idea this could happen. If you're in stocks, it doesn't matter if it's been going up for 10 years, it can always fall Let's apart. Come down. What That's if you're, the nature what, of the beast. What if you're putting in like a monthly amount of money into like, say, the S&P 500, for example? Yep. Is, is that yep. like a good strategy for someone who knows nothing about investing? Uh, it's good. I would start with uh, getting that that asset allocation. right. For example, if someone has never invested and they're not used to the the, the, the whipsaw of the roller coaster ride, they might bail out. So <laughs> oh. don't. Jump in thinking, oh, I can handle this. If you can't, if you're the sort of person who, let's say you're older and you didn't sell out in the 99, meltdown or the OIDA, okay, odds are you're not going to sell out now. Right. You're going to hold um, through the pain. Yeah. And then in terms of, you mentioned the S&P 500, I'd go even bigger, buy world capitalism, just buy all publicly traded companies. You can buy a single ETF and you're, you're done. So it's basically getting that, that asset allocation, that balance right. And then back to the point you mentioned at the beginning, uh, your brain is hazardous to your wealth. Investing, good investing is really simple, but it's not easy because it's right. like dieting. You got to have like the self-control and that's really hard. And you mentioned behavioral bias, I noticed as well. So yeah. how our brains lead to bad investing. Take, yep. walk, walk me through that. Sure. So uh, there's a whole field of research. It's kind of the intersection of psychology and um, and finance. The parts that really stand out for me, there are two that are very closely related. One's called um, overconfidence, and the even worse one is called the illusion of control, uh, where we think we're better <laughs> at predicting things than we actually are. And uh, oh, uh, in terms of gender, the research is very clear that uh -oh. women have no idea what's going to happen, uh -oh. but don't think they know what's going to happen. Men also very bad at predicting, but we think we know think they, because we're yeah. guys. And so men are slightly worse investors. You know who's better than men or women? Uh, companies or entities? Dead people. Dead people. Oh, Dead because people. They, they own stock. They do nothing. Right. Uh, yeah. Fidelity released some uh, uh, research on their accounts where they'd been closed and no one did anything. They had the highest returns. Right. Because no one was in there 
they just gaming let it sit. and thinking they knew. So I, 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 a friend of mine's written a book, and his advice is: if you're a man, invest like a woman. If you're a woman, invest like a dead person. Yeah, I like that. That's uh, yeah. Stick all the bonds and stocks in the coffin, and then dig it up in a hundred years and see. Exactly, where you're at. exactly. And our yeah. brains are not wired that we're way. Not, like, we're not good at that. We're, we're in a panic, and we keep thinking. Well, that's fine for everybody else, but I I need to tweak. Like no, right. tweaking, I can, I can do better. Down. Yeah, I can do better. Yeah, I, it's I like, weird. Humility. I like, to, is I like to set it and forget it. Yep. Set it and forget. And you yep. and you do mention you mentioned humility a lot. So the paradox of of how humility can make you a lot richer. What what does that mean exactly? It it I mean it sounds like a kind of you know Zen aware, uh, which it yeah. is interesting. That overlaps with some some certain spiritual practices. What it really means is the data overwhelmingly show that the the more you realize you don't have those special abilities and you mm. do just buy and hold, uh, you do a lot better. One of my great investing yeah. heroes is um, uh, a woman named Grace Groner, who lived over 100 years. She was born in 1909, wow. died in 2010. She bought $180 worth of stock in 1935 <laughs> and never sold it, reinvested the dividends. <laughs> 75 years she held it. When she died, it was worth 7.2 million. Jesus. So is she a brilliant analyst? And she she did do a little better than the market, but even if she'd done it at the market, it would still have been great. No, it was her discipline. Just buy and hold. Yeah. And, but buy and hold isn't sexy. It's not because it's no, terrible no, clickbait. Because nobody wants to wait twenty years for a return. Everybody wants. Uh, I want to put in ten thousand dollars today, exactly. and in two years, I want two hundred thousand dollars. That's or, how people or, think. Or in three weeks, I want to flip. It I want a million it, bucks. Yeah, yep, yeah, sure, yep. I get it. What's the next meme coin yep. or meme stock? What's the next GameStop? You know, and and you know, unfortunately, people fall prey to those types of things, and um, the industry is out there making all this money. How exactly. did they, so they're making money when you're making less money or losing exactly. money? Exactly. Why, why is that? Oh, well, it's or, the or combination. It's the combination of our brains being wired that way, like we're wired to crave sweet, fatty, salty foods. That's let's what not, helped us not, survive. Let's, let's not talk years about years. that. <laughs> so the, the, <laughs> the food industry knows how to sell to those cravings. Yeah. Similarly, the investment industry knows how to sell to. Our illusion of control, our desire for the sexy, because the message I'm preaching is buy and hold, own index funds, don't ever trade. And the investment industry looks at that and says, well, that's terrible for our revenue. Right. So that's how the problem, oh, no. it, it's a combination of we as consumers create the problem and the investment industry preying on us. And I've even observed where uh, the people the, who are the victims of this active management illusion of control, they're often the ones who defend it the loudest because if they were wrong, it means they trusted the wrong people and they made a mistake. Mm. And that's just too embarrassing. So it's it's a tricky path, but it's so different from how it's usually described. It's not about analysis. And hey, I you know, my company was very successful based on very complicated quantitative analysis, but complicated is often a mask for higher fees and simple is a great default for most people to start with. Yeah. And you just mentioned quantitative analysis, QA. A lot of people talk about TA and QA. I notice in trading chats. Um, yep. Why do people refuse to do research? Why do people refuse to learn the basics of trading? Why do they just see something online and then put money into it versus actively trying to manage their portfolio in a, in the right way? Like why? Because... It's not as much fun. They're like jumping in <laughs> well, and playing is 
is fun. The, 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 the problem is the research leads you to really boring recommendations. Of course. So it's not that shocking why we'd, we'd run away from, uh, the, the boring and mundane when, and because good investing, you don't, you're not going to have bragging rights. You're not going to be at some garden party touting your index funds you bought 18 years ago and you never sold. Like oh no one's going to listen to you, but if you've uh, got a hot tip uh, and it's, in fact, what's fascinating is for entrepreneurs, geez. starting a business is a very different game. You may actually yeah. find, I mean, the odds are still stacked against you, right, it's still but a you lottery may ticket. find something. I mean, I was incredibly lucky. So yeah. you may find something that works, but then that mindset is, not appropriate for public investing. equity and, uh, and that kind of investing. So it's this weird disconnect. And in fact, I've worked a lot with successful entrepreneurs who you know, are now worth 100, 500 million. And they bring the mindset of, well, I had the Midas touch to create this. And, you know, Google, Facebook, whoever bought my company. Yeah, but keeping that wealth is a very different uh, uh, game process from getting from zero to a hundred million. So I'm guessing that that's where someone like you comes in. And, you know, if I have wealth, I want to hire someone like you to help me navigate this world. May it be boring or not. Like what kind of tips would you offer somebody that comes to you uh, right off the bat? It, it's everything I've been saying, stick with the boring. But the, the first thing most people need to figure out is, should I hire someone or do it myself? The problem is, there's very little to no advice that's reasonable in that. It's either from the industry. What do you think they're going to say? Like you ask a barber, do I need a haircut? Well, yeah. Um, but the cynics just say, it's all a bunch of sharks. You got to do this yourself. There's a lot of messy stuff and people do need help. One of the things I do in the book, and there's a free, uh, free version of that chapter on my website, is walk you through, figure out what you actually want from an investment advisor and figure out the stuff where we are actually useful versus these bogus parts of promising the crystal ball. It 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 really boils down to the parts where we're claiming we're a wizard with a crystal ball. No, run from that. That's a very bad bet. But we can be helpful with like financial planning or sort of tax issues or these one-off complicated questions. So I'm not saying stay away from the investment industry. I'm saying be a very careful consumer and make your decisions based on what you actually need, not the hype you're being fed. That's fantastic, Patrick. I love it. And where can people find uh, your book or more about you and what you do if they need services from you? Sure. So um, I'm I'm semi-retired. I don't I don't offer this um, myself. In fact, I, I I have to make sure for a conflict of interest. I don't. In fact, I'm donating all the proceeds from the book to. Uh, financial literacy oh, uh, nonprofits. So uh, books available, as they used to say, wherever books are sold, it's on right. Amazon. You can get it in uh, uh, bookshops. Uh, my website is patrickgettis.co. Um, and there's there's some videos there that try and make it a little more fun. It's such a dry topic. Um, <laughs> there's a, an online course version of the book, uh, all again, uh, with all the proceeds donated uh, just to help Help consumers figure out how to uh, handle this industry. That's so great. I appreciate the contribution. And you certainly made this topic fun for me. So thank you, Patrick, great. for coming on the show. And hopefully you guys all learned a little bit about the global economy in a way and investing. Thanks, Patrick. And we'll see everybody in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, 
please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you in next week's episode.